It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Money for Lunch. It's always good to have you here. And I'm just going to dive into it with the quote of the day. The quote of the day, the last three or four reps is what makes the muscle grow. This area of pain divides the champion from someone, from someone else who is not a champion. That's what makes most people lack. That's what most people lack, having the guts to go on and just say they'll go through the pain no matter what happens. And that is attributed to my friend Arnold Schwarzenegger. The last three or four reps is what makes the muscle grow. The area of pain divides the champion from someone else who is not a champion. That's what most people lack, having the guts to go on and just say they'll go through the pain no matter what. All right. So let's get this party started. With me today is Robin Moriarty. Robin is the global business executive, professor, and author who has lived on four continents and has traveled to over 60 countries. Her forthcoming book, What Game Are You Playing? A Framework for Redefining Success and Achieving What Matters Most, releases September 10th of 2019. However, you can follow her and get updates on the book at Gutsy. Dot world, gutsy.world. Robin, welcome to Money for Lunch. Thank you. Really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. I'm uh, excited. I, uh, I love uh, the title of the book, um, What Game Are You Playing? It instantly grabs your attention and makes you want to go, hmm, what game am I playing? And of course, you know, a framework for redefining success and achieving what matters most. Uh, so first of all, I have to ask you, why write this book? What was the motivation? Yeah, so it's actually a really funny story and a bit of serendipity, as most great things in life are. I was sitting in my office one day, and a really good colleague of mine, a good friend, came in, and he was fuming and storming around the office and kind of angry because our CEO's compensation had been announced, and it was more than either he or I were making. And he was kind of mad about that. And he said, that guy's winning and we're losing. And I looked at him and I said, I don't know what you're talking about because I'm winning. And he looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm playing the game of who gets to spend the most time in the coolest places around the world. And I'm winning that game. And he kind of looked at me confused and he said, that's a really great idea. You should write a book. And so really the idea is there's more than, <laughs> exactly, there's more than one game to play it's just you've got to define your own game and start playing the game that you want to win instead of playing the game that everybody else tells you you're supposed to play or playing the game that they're playing or even worse, being a pawn in someone else's game. So it's really the idea of what are you really doing and what are you really going after? How are you defining success for yourself instead of defining it the way other people define it? Yeah. No, I love that because we – do have the choice to define what game we're playing, what makes us happy. Uh, you know, we sometimes, when I say we, now I'm talking about our society, we get caught up on the, the big job, the big title, the big car, the big house. And before we know it, we're miserable because you didn't stop to ask, is this really what I want? No, this is what my parents want. Or this is what my, you know, this is me accidentally keeping up with the Joneses or whatever it is. Maybe not accidentally, but keeping up with the Joneses. 
this is what I've been told in the media that I want. Uh, you know, I met a gentleman, and he was the uh, president of, uh, of the bank, had a very modest uh, home, uh, very modest car, and um, come to find out that the game that he was playing was spending, you know, spending family time with his seven kids and uh, making memories for them. And so all of these kids had a chance to take uh, really cool trips for their senior year. Uh, they, you know, they, they just, he, that was the game that he was playing. And I was in awe of this guy. Uh, just so happened I ended up marrying his daughter. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, he was the first guy that I met that had this great title and, and, but yet didn't take it seriously. He was very focused on what he wanted and how he was going to, you know, use his job, if you will, or his title or whatever for, for what he wanted. Right. And that's exactly the idea. If you really have clarity about what it is that you want, you can build the rest of it around that. You can make sure your work life fits that goal and helps you achieve that goal. You can make sure the other people you have in your life, your friends, your colleagues, your, your family members are supporting you in that. You can design around that when you're really clear about what it is. I think what happens a lot is we get so filled in our heads of other people's expectations of us. And sometimes we internalize those expectations and we think they're our own, but really they're not. Really they're other people's expectations that have been put on us. And this whole process of pulling back those layers of other people's expectations is what you have to do to be able to find what is that core of your game? What game is it that you really want to be playing that doesn't come from other people's expectations, that comes really from who you are and what you want, and again, how you want to define success for you? Yeah, I love that. I love that. All right, so let's talk about this. Why is it so hard to be gutsy in your personal and professional life? I mean, we... You know, you hear about how people are looking for happiness and, and you know, like 85 percent, I, I don't know exactly the statistics, but it's like 85 percent of the workforce is, is uh, dissatisfied and disengaged and all this other stuff. So what's happening that uh, we, lock, we lack guts? Yeah, yeah. And I think this is a really interesting question because when I think about being gutsy – I don't think it's about being reckless. I don't think it's going and doing something that's kind of crazy and dramatic and drastic. I do think it's about having the courage and confidence to pursue what you want to pursue as opposed to just doing what you think everyone else wants you to do. And I think that's where the hard part comes in because when we're young and then as we go up in age, what happens is other people's expectations keep getting poured onto you. As soon as you're born, you know, I see it sometimes here in uh, in the South, as soon as you're born, someone puts a T-shirt of what college they want you to support or go to. You know, as soon as you're as soon as you're in school, people start creating expectations about you know maybe what you want to study or what you should study or what you should do or who you should date or who you should be friends with. You know, when you go to college, picking a major. When you think about what do you want to do as an adult, you should get married and buy a house and have kids. It's all of this societal expectation that keeps getting put on on you 
And it's very hard to deviate from that. It's very hard to do something different because that's what's expected. And your brain kind of has little freakouts when you don't do what's expected. And you kind of cause little freakouts in other people's brains when you don't do what they expect you to do. There's a little bit of neuroscience behind that. Um, and so what happens is when you're trying to do something different, your brain kind of freaks out. Other people around you kind of freak out. People get uncomfortable with change and you revert back to the status quo, which is often doing what others expect and living up to others' expectations, other people's definitions of success. And so a big part of being gutsy is breaking out of that and recognizing that that's what's happening and starting to say, okay, that might be what other people want for me. I might want some of that for me too, but which parts of that might I not want? Which part of that can I let go and start creating my own version and, and kind of piecing together those things to create your own path that will lead to more fulfillment for you? Yeah. You know, while I was listening to you, I'm thinking about all the people that, that whether you like them or don't like them, you know, the, the standouts, if you will, the icons, play by their own set of rules. You know, they, they've gotten over yeah. the fact that uh, people are, aren't going to like them, uh, or at least, you know, they're not there to make everybody happy. I mean, obviously, you can look at our, our current president, Donald Trump, who definitely plays by his own set of rules, whether you like him or dislike him. There's, uh, you know, we've seen, you know, when I was growing up, Madonna was like a big standout, and now we have Lady Gaga, uh, who just are, you know, come up with weird ways, for lack of better terms, to stand out and say, hey, I play by my own rules. And what's funny is we, for the most part, we know who these people are. Most of us cheer for them on one way or the other. And, and sometimes we silently say, or maybe not so silently say, man, I wish I could do that. So yeah. how do we get over this people-pleasing, sucky way of living? Yeah. And I think you used some good examples there. I think there are also some sort of quiet examples. You mentioned your father-in-law. You know, if you look at other people I know who take jobs that make it possible for them to go home early um, to be with family or people who sort of take jobs for healthcare while they're working with their rock band to perfect a set and try to get an album. You know, I think there are people that um, maybe we don't know as big, uh, but I definitely think a lot of people are playing by their own set of rules. And I think it comes down to being able to overcome those fears that are inside of you that, that hold you back. And again, I go back a little bit to the brain science and the neuroscience of it where um, your brain is trying to keep you safe and being safe is doing what's comfortable. Mm. And so as long as you're doing something that's really safe, your brain is kind of happy. When you do things that don't feel so safe, your brain kind of starts getting anxious. And so one of the things I've done and learned in, in my life is I've had to be aware of that and start thinking about my fears, whether it's fear of failure, fear of success, fear that people are going to laugh at me, fear that someone's going to do something horrible to me. I've had to start sort of visualizing those fears as like, instead of big scary monsters, these little cute monsters, like that movie Monsters, Inc., you know, kind of yes. like cute, yes. fuzzy, funny monsters, and started to say, okay, I, I feel my little monsters creeping out because I'm doing something that they think is scary, and they're coming out to try to protect me, but maybe I can just say, hey, guys, thanks for coming out, but I don't need you. I got this, 
and I can kind of put them back away and then keep going and get past the fear. And so for me, that's, a, that's something that has worked to get past that fear. I think everybody finds their own way to try to get over those. But I think it's recognizing that those fears happen because fundamentally sticking with the status quo and doing what you're comfortable with is the thing that you know, you're sort of drawn to do. And so getting out of that requires this extra awareness, this extra effort, and then also the motivation of what is it that you really want to be doing. You know, so I go back to the thing of it's easier to get over those fears when you're really clear about what that great thing is that you want to be doing. You mentioned your father-in-law making great experiences for his kids. For me, it's always been travel. You know, so if you've got something that's motivating you, it's easier to push through those fears um, because you've got that, that reward at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know what? It, earlier today, we were talking about some of the things that we need to do to change our our public school system. And I think this is one of the areas that is in dire need of revamping, right? I mean, our, our school system has not been updated, for lack of better terms, for, uh, I think, five or six decades. And, and we're pushing kids out or graduating kids out that have a very small level of self-confidence or self-esteem. And I, I think that getting, uh, what do you call it, uh, teaching our kids to be, that it's okay to, you know, to think independent thoughts and not to be necessarily liked all the time and, 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 uh, just being, you know, whatever you want to call yourself, a nerd, a weirdo, just being different, that that's okay. I think that would really help. I think it would help not only our society, but I think it would help America in general. I think it would, you know, help in the area of medicine and innovation and business and stuff like that. Because, again, the, the, the icons that most of us look up to are people who, you know, who kind of do their own thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think edu- education, so I, I went to public schools growing up, and I've taught at the university level, and I think education is ready for a big revamp. And I think it's ready for, and I read a book where uh, this guy named Alejandro Sambra, and he, he was writing about education, and he says, you weren't educated, you were trained. And I think about that mm. so much in our public school systems, that really you're being trained to live a certain kind of life. So a lot of what happens in school, I think about my Outlook calendar every day when I get to work and how it's broken up into one-hour segments, just like my classroom schedule was broken up into one-hour segments. And then every couple of hours, I get a 15 or a 20-minute break or I get to go to lunch. You know, I think about how much of my day now I was trained for to spend my day that way when I was a kid in school, right? Focus on one topic for an hour, then another topic for an hour. Sometimes you have group projects like in college, sometimes you have individual projects, you know, and so, uh, and so I think about that way about how we're trained and I think education, it's ready for a revamp to open up other kinds of thinking and other types of creativity and how you learn and what you're learning. Also what you mentioned, that confidence that what you're pursuing is okay. You don't have to be like everyone else. You don't have to necessarily be better than everyone else at everything. You can be better at what you're best at, you know? And I think at the university level, um, it's a little bit of the same thing. And I think 
especially with technology and the way the world is changing and science, we shouldn't go for four years, get a degree, and then be done with it. We really should kind of have every couple of years go back for a little while and learn some new stuff. And it's sort of this continuous learning as opposed to four-year education and then you're kind of done, right? right. So I think that education is an area that still has not – if you look at other industries that have been disrupted, education still hasn't really been disrupted. And, uh, and I think there's a, there's, there's a time for it. So oh, I would agree yeah. with you. Yeah. And the only reason that education hasn't been disrupted yet, and you're starting to see it, uh, you're, you're starting to see more and more schools doing stuff online. And I think that's a really good first step because uh, what I was going to say, the reason it hasn't been disrupted is because you have a bunch of old fogies uh, who are still running the show. And when I say old fogies, not necessarily their age, but their mindset, and their and they themselves have been trained, and they're stuck in this, you know, uh, let, let's keep everything the same, because that otherwise we, we might lose control kind of a mindset. They've lost their gutsiness, right? They're, they're just sitting there holding on to whatever they can out of fear, uh, and so – you know, they're going to be just like Blockbuster. Blockbuster didn't want to make changes. They they had all sorts of excuses, and, you know, most people don't even remember who they are. And I think you just said the magic word, which is fear. Yeah. <laughs> people stay in that status quo because of fear of change. And, again, your brain kind of wants you to stay in that status quo if you're comfortable because – Change can be really scary, and there's a lot of uncertainty there. But you got to figure out how to get over that fear. And again, besides my little monsters I talked about, I think the big thing is what does that exciting new future thing look like instead of wading into a world of sort of gray uncertainty that you don't really understand. And so I think part of it is creating inspiring visions of what education could look like in the future. And then that helps us all get over that fear of making some of those massive changes. Yeah, no, fear I love really that. I love that. Back. Yeah, yeah, fear absolutely. Holds fear back. holds us back in, in everything, right? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I look back uh, multiple times, uh, and I can pinpoint certain breakthroughs because I finally was ready to let go of the fear and just, and just, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, just kind of let the chips fall where they fall. So let me ask you this. Letting go of the fear or letting go of the way it's supposed to be so you can, you know, so so you can now maybe start creating your own way. How do you do that? How do you go yeah. from this boxed in fear supposed to be mindset to letting go? Yeah. So I think everybody's got to walk through their own path on that, but Mine really started when I was living abroad and I had to question every little thing about my life from how do I go grocery shopping? How do I get home every day? How do I order something in a restaurant? How do I talk to the dry cleaner? <laughs> you know, every little kind of aspect of my life I was questioning because I was in a different country and I couldn't operate on autopilot anymore like I usually do when I'm in the U.S., and so that prompted me not just to ask questions about the small things, but about the big things too. And so for me, when I, when I talk to people about how do you start this process, 
I talk about first becoming aware that you have been trained, you have been conditioned to think a certain way about what you want, what you should do, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, how you should live your life, what living a good life looks like, et cetera. And you need to start saying, okay, how much of that was put on me? And so you start thinking about your teachers and your coaches and your parents and your cousins and your friends and whoever else who has influenced you. And you say, what did they want from me? What did they want for me? And when you start looking at that, you go, okay, how much of that is because that's what they wanted for themselves or that's what they want, you know, to me to avoid because there was something that was painful for them or a wrong path for them. You know, how much of that is really about them versus how much of that is really um, something that is me that I want. And when you go through that process in the book, I've got a worksheet. I've got a lot of worksheets that I, I'm the illustrator of the book too. And so they're kind of funny looking uh, worksheets because I'm not an artist, but, uh, but I've got a couple of worksheets where you can start thinking about that. What do people want from you? What do they want for you? And that helps you start separating some of those ideas that you may have internalized and so you start saying, oh, wait, that's external. That was somebody else telling me that. That wasn't me telling me that. And so going through that process is a good first step to say, what do I want versus what are these expectations of other people? And so then through that process and then thinking about, okay, what do I want now that I know that? what do I want to make that core thing that I can build the rest of my life around? For me, it's travel. You mentioned your father-in-law. You know, what, are, what is that core thing that is really important to me that I want to make sure I'm maximizing, that I'm getting the most out of that? And then I can arrange the other parts of my life to make sure that it all, you know, that equation fits. But it, fundamentally, it starts with recognizing that other people have put expectations on you that you've internalized and then starting to pull back those so you can understand what's really just yours. Yeah. And I think, again, boy, wouldn't that be a great class to take in, yes. I don't know, junior high, high school, and then take it again in college? I mean, that should be a, pre a prerequisite because we do get totally. so much junk. Oh, uh, that would be, you know, again, most of the stuff that I would change in public school has nothing to do with, you know, I, I would substitute one class for, you know, I, I, you know, for some of this other stuff that we're talking about, because I tell you what, I've not used algebra once in my career, <laughs> uh, but I've had to deal with, with goal setting, fear. I've had to deal with uh, overcoming obstacles. I mean, there are people out there who are great at algebra and, and all that other stuff. Uh, and, and I can definitely, if I needed to, I could hire somebody to, you know, do that stuff. But Man, learning how to manage your emotions, manage your money, manage your goals, manage your relationships, that's, to me, so much Those are real-life skills. Yeah, those, those are the real life, life skills, skills. That, that make a difference. What, one of the things that's really funny to me, you, you said this and I remembered, when I first wrote the book, I shared it with some friends and I told them, only tell me nice things about it because I wasn't in a place where I felt like I could hear criticism about the book. So I said, the way I need you to support me is read this and tell me everything you like about it. And then right. later you can tell me what you don't like. But first I just need to hear what you like about it. And one of my friends called me and she said, you know, the, she was telling me the positive things. And then she said, why don't they teach this stuff in school? You know, and it, I think it kind of hits you that way when you think, you know, I really absorbed all of these messages. I was trained. I was conditioned to absorb all these messages 
about how I have to live my life and what I have to do and, you know, even my day-to-day routine, why don't they teach you in school that you can question that and you can redesign it for yourself and you can change the version of success? It doesn't have to be about a paycheck or a title or a car or a house. You can make your version of success something else. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we are talking about what game are you playing? A framework for redefining success and achieving what matters most uh, coming out uh, in September 10th. I'm going to put the link in the show notes as well. And the author, my guest today, Robin Moriarty, uh, is uh, joining us today. So, uh, again, the book uh, is coming out in a few months. What game are you playing? I think that if we woke up and said, hey, what game am I playing? I think we would definitely get a different answer almost every day uh, because sometimes something that you said about you weren't in the place to take criticism, you know, depending on how you wake up that day, right? If, if you're well-rested, man, you, you can take on uh, a little bit more uh, junk, if you will, when you're fatigued. Uh, you, you know, you're, you may not be in the place, you may not be uh, physically, spiritually, or mentally ready to take on some uh, junk. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I just, uh, the idea of asking that question, what game are you playing? Go ahead. Yeah, I think that's really important too. You know, I don't have to be superwoman every day. Sometimes I'm just tired and want to stay home and sit on the sofa and watch TV, you know, and there are other days I want to get out in the world and do, do things. And I think that's okay. I think that sort of knowing yourself and knowing that, you know, today I can take a lot of criticism, but, you know, maybe tomorrow I'm not really in the mood for that. And knowing who you can go to in your life for those different kinds of support. So one friend of mine, every time I need to justify a purchase of a pair of shoes or a whatever I'm looking at that day, I call her because she will give me the justification for that purchase. I know exactly who to call when I need to justify buying some shoes. But, you know, if I need to not justify buying some shoes, I have a different friend I can call. And so I think it's important to know, to know which friend to call, which kind of support you need in which kind of situation, and make sure you have those people in your life because a lot of playing your own game requires – support from other people who will be there cheering you on and be happy for you and not judging or criticizing you as you're doing something that maybe isn't totally expected of you. And then the, the, the counter to that is you've got to be that kind of friend too, right? You've got to be that person that's cheering somebody on who's doing something that you might think is ridiculous, but they're so fabulously happy doing it that you're happy for them. And so I think that part about support is key as well when you're, when you're deciding what game to play and when you're playing your own game. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so funny. I do have a friend of mine who will call me up sometimes and say, hey, uh, I, I don't want you to – I don't want you to uh, – just kind of like what you did. I don't, I don't want you to, you know, give me any uh, criticism. I just want you to – I just want to let you know what I'm doing. And okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, okay. And it's like uh, – but but I think again you have to have like you said friends that do that and and sometimes you everybody has to uh, you know I think everybody let me rephrase it it's okay like you said not to be superwoman or superman every every moment of the day and just say hey this is where I'm at I'm a little you know vulnerable and so take it easy or whatever so uh, but because sometimes. What makes the difference is that positive feedback, having somebody saying, man, yeah. Robin, you're doing great. This is awesome. This, this is, 
you know, you can really help people with this. We just don't get enough of that on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then I've got friends, too, where when I'm starting to step into a mess, they'll, they'll, they'll call and they'll go, can I tell you something about that that's worrying me right now? And some days I'll say, no, not yet. <laughs> call, me, call me in a week. And they'll say, okay, I'll call you in a week. And sometimes I'll say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I probably need to hear this. You know, what, what, do you, what do you have to say? But what I love is that, you know, when you've got those levels of relationships and friendships where you can say, hey, can I tell you something difficult? And they can say yes or no. Or you say, yeah hey, I want to tell you something great, you know, and they can say yes or no. You know, it, it's so making sure that you're supporting people and being supported in the way you need it in that moment and being honest about it. I think that's just tremendous. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So let's talk about this because in the book you talk about uh, or not you don't talk about it, but or maybe you do talk about it, but in the book, there's <laughs> some personal development exercises, and, and one of them is about uh, imagining or visualizing your life without a timeline. Talk about this. Yeah. So one of the things that happens when I when I talk to people, and, and this was sparked by one night I was out for dinner with a friend, and she uh, she was telling me that for her timeline – she wanted to have two kids, be married a certain amount of time, have the first kid, then have the second kid. And she had mapped it all out by certain ages when she needed to do what. And it basically meant she needed to meet this person like today in this restaurant right now. <laughs> and I remember, I remember looking at her and feeling kind of sad. And I've had this conversation with a lot of people about their timelines. And people have these very distinct timelines of what they want in their life and these milestones that they want to hit and achieve by certain days and certain years and and certain ages and all this kind of stuff. And I started thinking about, okay, I definitely had a timeline in my twenties and it's kind of eroded over time because my life changed dramatically in my early thirties. But, you know, I started thinking how much energy we put into timelines and how bad we feel when we're not achieving them and how sometimes we even put up with toxic or unhealthy relationships, bosses, colleagues, you know, romantic partners, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because you want to hit that timeline and that milestone and you kind of say, well, I'll put up with it because then I'll be able to have kids by a certain age or I'll get promoted to this job or, or whatever. And I started thinking, what happens if you just let go of the timeline? What happens if you say, I'm going to live my life without a timeline. I'm going to erase all of those things that people have said I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to open up a blank piece of paper. And instead of starting to fill it in with all these things other people have told me I need to do, like buy a house and buy a car and get a promotion and have kids and do this and do that and the other thing, I'm going to just leave it blank. And then I'm going to start thinking about what do I really want to do. For me, surfing is something I enjoy. So I'm going to put surfing on there. I don't have to put a timeline or a milestone. It's an activity I can put on, you know. I'm going to put some other things that I enjoy on there. I'm going to put, you know, making sure my financial situation is taken care of, just like I have to go to the gym every day and I have to, you know, eat well and sleep every day. I also have to live within my means every day. You know, how do I start looking at my life that way instead of putting these milestones in place? 
and ditch the timeline and see what kinds of um, activities or states of being come up that are really important to you. And I think it's a powerful exercise to go through because most of the time when people are making their timelines, they're like, okay, I got to finish college by this day. I got to have a job. I've got to, you know, have an apartment. I've got to save this much money. I've got to meet this person. I've got to do this and that and the other thing all by the time I'm 30 or whatever. If you pull all that away, what other kinds of opportunities come into your life? What other doors open because you're not so focused on hitting those milestones in that timeline? And I've had this conversation with a lot of people and it makes you really uncomfortable because you're so used to pursuing your timeline, but it also just opens up windows of opportunity and things that are sort of more meaningful for you and kind of helps you get clarity on what you really want to do and, you know, kind of how you really want to live your life. Yeah. It's just listening to you. Just, I started feeling a little uneasy. What? No timeline. <laughs> it's hard. It's weird. Yeah, man. That's like, <laughs> but, if you, uh, but if you think about it, you know, I, I sit there and I go, okay, I having kids is one that, that a lot of young women always talk to me about. And I think about it and I go, okay, so I know people who've had kids in their teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, and I've read about people who've had them in their 50s, you know, so I'm like, okay, that's a lot of years to be able to have kids. And I, I know people who have every kind of family situation that you can imagine where they have, you know, blended families, kids that they adopted, foster kids, you know, sperm donor kids, all kinds of different situations that you can be in. And their kids are all pretty healthy and happy, you know, people who had kids older, younger, whatever. So it's like, why do you have to put all of that on, on yourself? Why can't you kind of free up and see what happens and see what life presents you instead of trying to force some of those big life things on you? I think about it with jobs and promotions the same way. Um, thinking about which kinds of jobs you take that will take you where. Why don't you kind of let yourself be open to seeing what other jobs or industries or companies or situations um, you can encounter when you're not so focused on getting that next promotion inside your current organization. And I think there are a lot of ways to kind of free up um, thinking about, you know, life is long and it's great if you're open to the experiences that it presents to you. And I always say that most of my biggest life decisions and life moments, you know, I say life sort of sent me there, moving to different countries and traveling and things like that. I'm not sure I was making conscious decisions and plans to do that. It was more like it was thrust upon me and life sort of pushed me way out of my comfort zone in those directions. But those have been the most meaningful and, and experiences where I've grown the most and learned the most. And if I had been sticking to my timeline, I would have totally missed it. I would have missed my life. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's, that is just uh, – I think that's a very cool idea. I'm going to have to play around with that. It, it is just a – it's a hard. weird thought. Yeah, you know, yep. Uh, yep. And, and yeah, imagine your life and start putting it together without necessarily a timeline. And, and you know what? The, what I instantly thought about is one of the benefits to not having a timeline is that you don't have this self-imposed pressure. Pressure. Yeah. And and if you are, you know. There's a, a lot out there about the law of attraction, this and that. And, and one of my friends uh, who's uh, 
well known for the law of attraction. His name is uh, Joe Vitale. And so he's very big about setting intentions and kind of disconnecting yourself from it and listening to you. I thought, well, this is exactly what he's talking about. You, you, you set this goal or this intention, but not necessarily in such a way that you're, what do you call it, kind of hurting the process. And a timeline can sometimes yeah. hurt the process, right? Hey, I, I need yeah. to have a kid yeah. by the time I'm 30, but in order for me to have a kid by the time I'm 30, I need to be, meet the right person by the time I'm, you know, at least 28, maybe 27 or whatever. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden, yeah. you know, it, it's hard to have things work, uh, you know, on, on some spiritual levels when there's pressure and there's fear and there's what ifs and, and, and all that doubt, right? Yeah, exactly. All that anxiety and those fears, <laughs> the fears. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but our society, it really puts it on you. You know, I look, I wander through the magazine racks sometimes in airports or in grocery stores. And I look at what's on the front of magazines. And by the way, it's fascinating. If you do that in different countries, you can kind of see what the cultures promote, right. By what's on the front of the magazine covers, because it's kind of, it it differs, you know, kind of what they're um, seeing as an ideal life. You can kind of see it reflected on the magazine covers. And when I look at them, there's so much pressure about financial success. There's so much pressure about fame. There's so much pressure about, you know, the perfect, beautiful couple and wedding and, and whatever. And I look at it and I go, that's where all this pressure is coming from. What happens if you just release yourself from that pressure and you say, I'm going to let life unfold and I'm going to, you know, know what's important to me and make sure I'm including that in my life and then see what else kind of comes your way it's a it's a very different approach than this achievement oriented competitive culture that we've all been raised in yeah it doesn't mean that that you don't achieve it's just you're achieving what you want not what other people say you're supposed to want yeah yeah different so let's do this real quick because we're short on time but since you have traveled all over the world literally uh talk about maybe some of the experiences that you have found, uh, you know, like in Latin America or the Middle East or Asia, what does success look like to some of these cultures? Yeah. So in, uh, I'll, I'll go to Latin America first because it was, um, it wasn't my first experience living abroad, but it was my most profound, I guess. And it's kind of where I found my emotional side so because I was allowed to be emotional and it's such a stereotype, but the truth is I was living in Argentina and I learned how not to be just so focused on logic and rational and achievement and success and title and job because the culture there isn't focused on those things. The culture there is really focused on relationships and it's focused on your friendships, which are very deep and very important. And it's focused on your family and support and, you know, kind of being with a group to the point where one of my favorite stories from Argentina is I was on holiday one year and um, with a group of people I had rented a beach house with. So I knew them well enough to go on holiday for two weeks and rent a beach house. So that's somebody that you know pretty well. And some of the American friends were there. And one of them mentioned that I have a PhD. And one of the Argentine guys goes, you have a PhD? I was like, yes. And I was very proud of the fact that I was very close friends with people who had no idea where I worked, what my job was what my education credentials were, all of those things that are often the very first thing somebody asks you 
when you're in the U.S. But our relationship was so much more based on friendship and knowing each other as humans rather than knowing each other as people who accomplish stuff, um, that it was really refreshing and heartwarming in a totally different way. And so that part of Latin America, the part of, you know, it's the people, it's the relationships, it's the, it's the bonds that you create that are more important than your title or your job or your external success. Um, in Asia, I saw a lot of that too, but, you know, it played out in different ways. Uh, I lived in Hong Kong for a while and in Hong Kong, uh, people are fabulous in Hong Kong. I really like it there. But in Hong Kong, what I saw was, you know, there was more um, focus on visual signs of success, brands and handbags and shoes and all of that kind of stuff. But fundamentally, the people were so warm and so kind that you, you know, that, that external version of success was there showing your brand and your watch and all this other kind of stuff. But internally people were really kind and warm and friendly and nurturing towards each other um, in a way that I hadn't necessarily experienced living in the U S um, I had always assumed people who were very into brands and handbags and things like that were kind of cold and superficial. And I found that to be, you know, very different when I was living in Hong Kong. So Interesting. yeah, different versions of success in different parts of the world for sure. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, again, the uh, book is coming out September 10th. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. You can pre-order it now from Amazon. What game are you playing? A framework for redefining success and achieving what matters most. The author, PhD, Robin Moriarty. Dr. Robin Moriarty. Ooh, <laughs> isn't that a Sherlock Holmes uh, yeah, person? Dr. <laughs> Moriarty? Oh, man. I've got some good stories about that, too. <laughs> hey, I really appreciate I really appreciate the time on the show today. It's really fantastic, and I loved the conversation sincerely and genuinely. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Robin. Looking forward to having you back again. Hey, thank you so much. Have a good day. Thanks. All righty. Good stuff there from Robin Moriarty. Uh, just, just love that conversation. I mean, what game are you playing? What a great way to – you know, ask that question to yourself now. Are you playing the game that you want to be playing? Uh, you can you can change the rules, make yourself win. Uh, anyway, check out Robin at gutsy.world, gutsy.world. Get the book, What Game Are You Playing? I'm going to put the link in the show notes. And as always, my friends, let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help everybody define what success means to them. As always, remember you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch and check out our website at moneyforlunch.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.